Step into the confession. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Uh, I think something's wrong with our audio. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right. Welcome to the Clergy Confessions Podcast. We're committed to sharing truly awful experiences of ministers in complete anonymity. Without fear of reprisal, our guests can tell you their stories in full details. To protect the innocent, we've altered their voice and taken out context clues. So good luck trying to guess who these folks are. And if you're trying to, it might be time to change your priorities. And don't mistake these stories in an indictment of the church, as each episode is capped off with guidance on healthier approaches when facing moments of turmoil and conflict. In other words, we're not dumping on the church, and we're not dumping on vocational ministry. Welcome to the confessional. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and the, the light behind you, Andy, it's like Jesus is right over your shoulder. Right? Pen, Pentecost, Pentecost has come early. <laughs> the Lord is trying to come in. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. And also, um, and also, and also with you. Yes. <laughs> Barely it's up my watch because it started quoting Psalms to me. I kid you not. So. <laughs> um, even, even my Apple watch is trying to uh, evangelize me, that, which just tells you the state of, of who I am as a human being. Okay. Hey, Foreman, we've got, we've got a really, a really fascinating story to, uh, to have shared with us this morning and with our audience. Um, you know, from time to time, you have unique church members. Sometimes you have those people that um, clearly have control issues that blow up your business meeting. Sometimes you have those that uh, try everything they possibly can behind closed doors to ruin your life. Um, because nobody, nobody listening to this podcast falls into any of those categories. But then sometimes the calls you get from church members don't necessarily come uh, during business hours. Sometimes they come late at night and in unexpected ways. So uh, hey, Andy, gonna... are you, are, Andy, are you still talking about the show or are you talking about me? Yes. <laughs> I told you to stop calling me after, after <laughs> nine o'clock. That's not, is nine o'clock the cutoff time nowadays? Like what is, first of all, is anybody actually calling anybody anymore? But like, <laughs> what, what's the cutoff time? No, I uh, we'll go with nine. That was what mom always said, and okay, it's what, deeply so, entrenched. So, is there a cutoff time for texting? No, yeah, I don't think so. Because if somebody doesn't know how to use "do not disturb," um, I don't want to hear anything from them about you woke me up in the middle of the night when you were texting me. So that was Sorry. that was actually the, not, that was the sound not. of my father. <laughs> my father doesn't know how to use "do not disturb." So. <laughs> This is going to be a conversation today uh, about my paternal issues. Now, my father's a wonderful human being. He supports me to this day. Uh, I love him. I cherish him. Okay. All right. Let's welcome our, our guest in. Guest, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, fellas, for having me. Well, um, so uh, what, what story do you need to uh, get off your chest today? Welcome to the uh, clergy confession. Yeah, the, the doors are open, so this is good. Um, so I guess my confession, I would start with saying it was, it, it invited me into a space of um, a pastoral crisis uh, in, in such a way of like, you know, kind of questioning how I showed up into space and my availability and accessibility to people. Um, so it kind of rocked me for a, a good 24 hours, but 
It started with just a person within the congregation who um, I think I would describe them as a, a regular attender, whatever a regular attender is anymore. So, you know, a few times a month, this person would be there. And um, when I first came to that church, I would see them um, fairly, fairly, um, fairly often. Uh, even went up and had some meals at their home, um, was in, invited in, invited into their space. And so um, we were never as close. I think that's one of the things that when you, you become a pastor, um, you obviously have these experiences with people where sometimes it's just natural, like people just get you and you have this really great connection. And other people you just kind of have to work with. And this was definitely more on the work with kind of side. Um, so it wasn't just a, a natural fit of anything. But I always um, thought, I mean, no, quick, I'm sorry, quick, quick, quick pause there. Uh, so when you say people that naturally get you and people you have to work with, you mean like people that find you to be difficult or you find these people to be uh, immeasurably difficult to figure out? Oh, no, um, um, I would say more of like uh, people, uh, you know, common interests, like people um, that you can that you can wrap with pretty easily. Um, I think they're just like, I don't know if you've ever met someone where it's just a, um, you have, it doesn't take much effort um, in, um, in making a connection. Um, and so I think they're, I, the way it was described to me by a, a former, former pastor is like, you know, you're going to walk into a church and 10% of the people are just going to like you from the get-go. Like they're going to see you, they're going to like you, uh, you remind them of their grandkid or they, um, uh, you know, or you're like their best friend from, you know, a time in college and they just, they're just going to accept you. And then there are 10 people that you look like the kid that hurt their, hurt their child or you like the kid that took their lunch money from school and they're never going to like you no matter what yeah. you do. Um, yeah. I had 80% a, I, you got to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a church member opening day of uh, a call Sunday I had somewhere uh, who looked at me and said, um, I am going to, my job is to make your life difficult while you're here. Uh, I just like to challenge things and I'm most likely going to challenge you and it's nothing personal. <laughs> it's like, well, here's the good news. At least I know who you are because a lot of times you don't know until, you know, it really hits you in the back of the head, uh, pretty strongly. Yeah. So but, it's but just think sometimes like, uh, it's, it's like stepbrothers, like where he's, he's like, I just want to like punch you right in the suck hole. Like that's like, <laughs> they're just some people.
Um, so though that happens, we, we have this kind of very, um, you know, lukewarm relationship. Uh, this person's around. Uh, I know they are going through some stuff. So when I, uh, because they don't divulge that information to me, uh, just being a, a, a pastor, and if I would hear of it or if they would mention something to me, um, I would always make the invitation. And that's just more of my, my understanding of like pastoral ministry. Um, I'm not a person that, uh, you know, hears something and runs and goes ask. I'm not going to show up on the door. I'm not beating down. I'm, I'm not the in your business kind of pastor. Um, I, I'm more of like, if you want to come to me, the door is open. Um, I will let you know that I don't need, um, you know, if, you, if you're going to, the, if you're in the hospital or something, I want to contact you. If you want me to be there, that's awesome. Some people are, you know, they're in the hospital, they're in a vulnerable state. You know, their ass is hanging out of the back of the gown. Like they don't want you there. They don't want just another person in the room. So that's always the, um, um, the stance I've taken on that. So with this individual, we had some interactions like that um, um, in, in, my, in my time at that church. And so I would reach out and say, hey, I heard, or, you know, this went up in like a, a prayer chain that we would get, um, heard this is going on. I want to let you know, if you need anything, please, please reach out. And they would from time to time, but it was always um, through uh, never like face-to-face, more of like secondary. It would be through a text, maybe a, a late night phone call. And, and those phone calls were pretty, um, I mean, they were all over the place, very, very emotional. Um, and so that... Um, that was kind of what I knew of our relationship. It was uh, more definitely within crisis, not on the day to day. We didn't know each other's, you know, <laughs> we weren't sure what we had for breakfast or where we were going on vacation or anything like that. It was definitely more of like, I'm hurting right now and I come to you when I'm hurting, um, but I'm only going to come so far. Um, so so that, that's what I knew about this. Yeah. So, so, you know, you said something that piques my interest, which is the availability, like for late night calls, like, um, you know, some congregations have very clear boundaries and the minister can set very clear boundaries of like, Hey, here's when I'm available, unless it's an absolute emergency, like, like for you, like, what is your sense of availability, uh, to the people you're serving and how do you create those, those boundaries? Yeah. Um, and I'll try to, still in, in keeping with the confessional, I'm trying to give too many details, um, but within the life stage that I have now, I have small people that live with me, um, like <laughs> people that are related to me, small people. Um, and so that makes it a little, um, and most of the congregation that I, that I have served in during that time, um, they understand that, they get that, they know there are some sacred hours to not um, reach out to me, or they know they're not going to be able to get in touch with me um, at a certain time. So, um, that being the case, I, I have tried to go in saying, uh, one, not only just uh, as far as phone calls, but just like physical boundaries. Like, if you're going to come visit me, you need to let me know you're coming. I don't, I don't do drive-bys. And, and I, I put that as a boundary very early on. Like, I need to know that because uh, the home is a sanctuary where I at least try to let my hair down or, you know, not wear pants when I'm walking around the house. So I don't know what people are going to get, you know, when they come over. So you have to kind of like, I'm, I'm warning you, it's for your own benefit. It's yeah, not, so, uh, it's not uh, just, yeah, it's not just for, it's not just for me. I'm not being selfish here. Like, so complete to, clarification yeah. though, uh, yeah. it, you know, of course we're complete anonymity here, but if you were to drop yeah. by this particular minister we're talking to's house, most likely mm-hmm. this person is not going to have pants on. That's what I've learned from this conversation. Um <laughs> So now that I was know my this. Take, was, yeah, yeah. That was my takeaway. I will, I will have I will have bedroom slippers on. I don't walk anywhere without like socks or bedroom slippers on. So okay. You, so you why why whitey tidies, bedroom <laughs> slippers, and nothing else. The, the tightest <laughs> you've ever seen. Um, probably I like I like them snug so they're, they're 
they're probably one size too small. Um, and so I do that and, uh, but that's, that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to get. Yeah, so it's, yeah. that, and I don't divulge and, all that at first. Um, that's, that's the price you pay if you come without calling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you said something earlier and I know we got to get back to the story, but I I'm pretty sure you're talking you said something earlier, but you know, some people don't want you to come to the hospital with their butts hanging out of their gown. Um, I'm pretty sure I had a church member one time that they were in the hospital frequently and I would always knock and I was always confirmed um, that they heard me before I came in and it never failed. That gown was revealing things that it never should reveal. And I'm pretty sure that was, that was very intentional. Um, anyways, back to your story, not, not my, my issues. So. All right. Um, yeah, it's, I, I kind of want to hear more, but for the sake of our time here. Um, agreed. We'll agreed. Well, agreed. We're going to come back to that. Yeah, I want to divulge that a little bit more. Um, so, so we have this kind of basis of this relationship, which is a very uh, surface level relationship with me and this person. Um, and so uh, just like a lot of other times, I had heard through a, a prayer chain that this person's child, who is an older child, um, something had happened, they needed to seek medical attention, they had to go to the hospital. So I did what I typically do in that situation is try to reach out to that that person. Um, this person um, I mean, obviously has a, a job during the day. I have no idea what they were doing uh, at the time, um, you know, if they were at work, if they were, you know, if, I, if this did immediately just happen. So I was like, well, let me send a text. I'm part of the texting generation. That means they can get in. The way that I define, the way that I do phone calls or texting is if I call you, then I that's the, I think that is an emergency. Um, if I text you, you don't have to get back to me. Like it, not immediately, like it's not a, a thing. Um, and I've kind of laid that out as groundwork too to the people in the, in the congregations that I've served. And so to be clear, I, and, yeah. and to be clear, you, you, you all have communicated through text pretty regularly oh, at this point. This yes, is not a, yeah. this is not no, a is out like, of the blue thing. No, this is a primary form of communication. Um, and okay. so I um, sent a message said, Hey, heard about so-and-so. Um, wanted to um, reach out and let you know. Um, one, I'm so sorry that this has happened, and uh, let me know if I can do anything. Um, and or, you know, I'm available. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't remember what time of the week this was, but I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty free the rest of the week if I need to be. Um, and the response back was, thank you very much. I appreciate you reaching out. And you're very, very cordial, uh, pretty typical. And so I never heard anything. So I didn't take that as anything personal. Obviously, the crisis that, that family was in at the time um, probably demanded all of that person's attention. So uh, I just sat on it and knew that I felt that I had made the right connection to let them know that I was there if they needed it. And just kind of moved on and kept doing ministry because there's always something, <laughs> always something else going on. So uh, several days went by and I began to hear that the, the child was going to be uh, in the hospital for a little bit longer. And so I, I still just kind of tabled it, didn't reach back out. Um, and then I guess it was, I mean, it's, I wouldn't think it was two weeks. Um, I heard that the kid was going to um, be released. And so I was like, oh, it's a great sign. Um, and I, this had come from, um, you know, a, a church administrative person who had, um, who was a little bit closer to the individual kind of knew. And so, uh, and, and, and I'm not friends with this individual on any kind of social media either. So I wasn't picking up anything that way. So I heard that, and then I decided that morning to send them a message that, hey, I heard that so-and-so is going to be, uh, is going to get to come home. Uh, so I'm really happy for you. And uh, there was a you know, silence, which is not unusual. And then later that night, 
um, same day, later that night, um, setting, um, you know, kind of doing the, uh, the um, you know, preparations, getting ready for the next day. You know, we're, you know, I'm in, I'm in you know, pajamas and everything. I get this, I get a ding on the phone and it's a message. Um, it's a little rambling, um, but in the, uh, the, the gist of it was that child hasn't lived with me in this home for several years due to this. I can't believe you're my pastor and you don't know that. Um, and that was it. Like it was just this boom, kind of a, like mic drop kind of thing. Um, and I remember that night immediately just you know, one being kind of taken back because I'd never had that form of any kind of confrontational or any kind of judgment, um, any kind of like terse response from, from that person. Um, so I just kind of sat on it, didn't write back when it was kind of late anyway. Um, so I didn't immediately jump on it. Um, but I began to kind of like process it that, that night. Um, um, my partner, my spouse um, was like, hey, I'm going to share this. I can't believe I just got this. Um, and so we, she was able um, to help me kind of like process it out loud. And um, which is what I'm, I'm an I'm a, I'm a, uh, outside processor. So that, that kind of helps. Um, but yeah, it really kind of rocked me because I think it's someone who really banks on being a relational type uh, pastor, being a present-centered kind of pastor, I was getting this this challenge that for me, you are not that. Um, mm. You are, I, I haven't done that. You have not been that for, for me. And uh, which was kind of a new, uh, a new thing because I never got the impression that I was not for this person. Um, again, I, they didn't divulge a lot to me. So, so let me ask you a question to, is, yeah, yeah. real quick. Is there any reason you should have known that information? No, that information had never been shared with me. Um, well, yeah, actually, yes, yeah, you should have, because every mm -hmm. church member, if you look on the back of their heads, pull the hair back a little bit, there's a guide mm -hmm. of the things you're allowed yeah. to talk to them about and not talk to them about. And it was your mistake uh, that you didn't read through that manual for each individual person. How dare you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know how, why you can't read minds. I don't understand why you don't understand each person's unspoken boundaries. Um, you, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. It's a, it's a it, question of my, is my call authentic is what it is. is that, <laughs> <laughs> have, I really, have I really been chosen to lead, uh, to lead people? And I come all the time. I'm like, I'm not here to lead you anyway. I'm like, I'm, I'm pissed forth this myself. Um, yeah, I'm here to like, do this with you, not lead you. Just try to well, walk just, with you. just full um, disclosure. Yeah. Not only is this a clergy confession, but Brian and I have this secret connection to God. And mm -hmm. we actually, when we're all said and done today, we're able to communicate whether or not leaving this place you're able to take your ordination with you uh we'll, we'll let you know what the person upstairs says afterwards so i would if you all have the ability i probably should have been defrocked a long time ago <laughs> 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 so, yes. why, why do you think we're hosting a podcast <laughs> yeah so my, you know loving church history so much i love to think about in each like in my generation like the figures that are like oh yeah that person totally would have been burned at the stake or yeah that totally would have been our pope because they've got major issues and they would have been <laughs> writing people off like crazy <laughs> i just think about these things when i interact with clergy you know like oh i wonder which which figure you would be so anyways back mm -hmm. to your story yeah. not not yeah. my dumb mind games that i play um no so that was um so that was uh that evening or uh, that night and then i just kind of sat with that for um you know a good 24 hours and then the next morning 
sometime after I, whatever took place in that person's life to get them to send me another message was an apology. And it was an apology saying that this kind of hit me. Your, your text to me at that time, I was in a really rough place and I lashed out at you. And I didn't, um, it, it, it was not you, it was something else. And so they apologized, which is really, you know, very um, you know, big of them, uh, very, very nice. Um, and, and I wrote back, you know, something just as equally as, um, you know, respectful, just saying, like, totally understand. Um, you know, let me, I guess, I don't want to say I was a little, it wasn't a backhanded comment, but I was like, I, I wanted to make it clear the reason I chose the words that I did. Uh, of saying that person is home. Like, I, I didn't know that that child didn't live with you. And I didn't know the conditions uh, of why that was because that has never been shared with me. And I don't try intentionally, unless something is shared with me, you know, face to face or, um, you know, directly, I don't try to go looking for it. Um, you know, I like to, you know, kind of hear it from the, from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Um, and so that was, um, that was the interaction with, with them. And, and then they, they responded back with a, uh, you know, thank you for understanding. And then my last text was, you know, I would love for us to change this uh, so that I would know more about that. If you feel comfortable disclosing um, kind of why this is the situation, um, you know, you, my, my door is always open. Uh, you can come and talk. And um, they said, thank you. And they never reached back out again. Um, mm. And so uh, I obviously still see this person from time to time, uh, you know, at, at, you know, in, um, um, you know, in, in that church setting. Um, but yeah, it was never that, that potentially, I guess that's probably the thing I'm more potentially that could have been something that was kind of crappy that would have led us to maybe a deeper relationship. Um, uh, maybe a, a, some trust could have been formed there, but it, it just made it everything just really awkward. Well, that, you know, when you're saying that to me, uh, you know, something I've experienced over, over the years and being a highly relational minister is I think there's one of two routes people go when crisis happens or when the curtains pull back and there's an aspect of somebody's humanity that is unveiled to you as a minister is one is you actually get a lot closer because they recognize and they trust. Um, they understand that you love them for who they are, for all their faults, or for the fact that they might have a really jacked up family, you know, and what all of us do, you know, some way. Again, dad, we're not referring to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the other response I have found is that people pull away and they don't recognize. And then uh, oftentimes not just pull away, but it's a lack of differentiation that then not only pull away, but then begin to blame you for things or blame the church mm. for things. And it's, it's just that they've been in their mind, psychologically and emotionally naked before you, if you will. Mm -hmm. And the embarrassment of that, even though it shouldn't be embarrassing, you know, we're not the kind of people that are going to throw that back, back in people's face it just leads people to pull away. And that, that hurts, especially, you know, and I hear that in your story, yep. I hear the pain of that because you're, you're, you're there because you care for this person. Yeah. You recognize, Hey, maybe there's a boundary. You didn't an invisible boundary. You didn't know you were crossing, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you were doing that out of a true sense of loving an individual and wanting to help them feel a sense of compassion and comfort and hope in this very challenging situation. And I think that if you're the kind of minister that, loves people and i'm not saying if you're not like if you're more of an executive type person um that you don't care about people but when you truly are the kind of the pastoral sense relational sense and the way that i know that you are 
um, man, that really hurts like really bad. Like it cuts, yeah. cuts down to your core, uh, and, and makes you kind of like, man, it makes you want to put yourself out there for people again and to care for them and nurture them. Cause you don't know if they're going to bite your fingers. Yeah, it's uh, it was definitely a, a I wouldn't call it like a, a crisis of call, but it was um, it really it made me think. And of, and of course, you know, some of this was overlap within you know, the you know, time of COVID. Um, and so it was yeah. you know you're already trying to relearn how to be present with people, um, and and, you, and the fact that you couldn't be present with people for you know, a certain amount of time. Um, uh, and I think that was the the vulnerability, and definitely on both sides, because um, I definitely picked up that this person. Um, they were, I mean, we're talking a very well-educated, uh, very strong, very independent, very accomplished um, individual and to appear vulnerable. I don't think that is a, I, now I'm going to project a little bit. I would imagine this individual would see that more as a, as a character flaw um, yeah. than, than anything else. Um, and so that was, and, and, you know, another interesting thing, I don't, I don't want to lose this, so I'm going to go ahead and say it and we can come back to it. Um, one of that is, you know, all these perceptions of clergy throughout our life, if we grew up in a, a faith community of how another pastor showed up in those spaces, I think that was knowing a little bit of that person's history. I think they came from a tradition where a, a minister was very like super hands-on, like right in the middle of it, show up, ain't got to be asked, like I'm just in it. And so there was a little bit of projection um, that I felt on their end of things I should have been doing um, that maybe they had experienced before. Um, but it was, it was different for them to see some as someone in the same role doing it differently. Um, so I definitely picked up on, on, on that. Um, even, but even before this incident, I think that was there. Um, but yeah, it, it was, uh, and the vulnerability on my side, yeah, of course. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sensitive son of a gun <laughs> when, when it yeah. comes to stuff like that. I'm like, wow, I, um, I, I really thought I was kind of doing the, the most, uh, you know, courteous thing and, and, and leaving, and, and not even like being close, but allowing space for that person to come out. Yeah, you know, I, I talk a lot about reciprocity, um, and so I, I don't want to overstep my bound, uh, overstep boundaries. And uh, that that did it did kind of hurt for, I would say a good a good day of like trying to think through that and that out. And it's still uh, it's still something that I I think when I do those like you were saying, uh, Andy, um, you, you're careful when you put your hand out there because you don't mm -hmm. know if you're being bent, or then you start kind of second guessing. Uh, like, should I do a little bit more? I, I sent that message that day. Do I do, I do the three day rule? Do I try again? Do I see, see, if, see if they want to talk? So yeah, it yeah, was a little um, a, a awkward dance. And it's One not just, interesting. Go ahead, Andy. Wait, yeah, I would just gonna say real quick on that point is, uh, you know, it's not just with that individual, it's other people. And when you find yourself fearful of getting that same response you find yourself maybe not caring for people in the way you did before and so that one experience oftentimes can overshadow the rest of your experience which you know hearing you talk about processing is so important and developing a good sense of, of differentiation between who you are and who other individuals are but more importantly who other individuals are to the other individuals you care for um, helps you uh figure out and navigate those circumstances moving forward. All right, Brian, you're probably gonna say something more profound. So sorry. No, I was just one of the trainings that I do is around um, uh, sort of our personality profiles and some of our, our, our bigger personality traits. And, and one of them is this continuum about a need for stability, right? Mm -hmm. and, and where we tend to show up on the continuum, oftentimes on one end of the spectrum is resilience and the other end is reactive. Now, I don't, I don't know that we've ever done this this test with with you or not before, but one of the things that's really interesting to me for 
for when we process this particular trait, one of the things we talk about is, is we give a scenario and it's how do you respond in this moment? And that scenario is almost exactly what you're talking about. It's you're in your office and somebody calls and says, why are you not at the hospital? How do you not know this is going on? And typically the, the resilient person in the group, one of the more, the farther end towards resilience on that scale will say something along the lines of, I'll be there as soon as I can, but you need to understand there was no way that I could have known this. So they go ahead and put it out there and they may not, they may not drop everything. They may show up two hours later, right? You know, it's, it's not, it's not their, it's not their bag to hold. Whereas the more reactive person is like, you know, even in, even in the, even in the, the, the training process, right there, you can see them getting worked up. Their, their net gets flush <laughs> and all of those things because they're ready to rush to the hospital. And this is just a hypothetical scenario, but they're, they're like grabbing their keys. And I'm like, where are y'all going? And, and, um, and so I think one of the things that really impresses me about what you did in this, because you talked about being sensitive and wanting to respond, but you sat on it. You didn't react uh, externally which I think is a, is a real trait of resilience to recognize what is mine and what is theirs. And in that sense that whether you were consciously did it or not, you recognize that, that this text was not yours to hold. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the things too, that I think, um, and this had come through some other conversations, uh, I know this individual was very close to several other members, um, within that church. And so, you know, I come from a faith tradition that, you know, I'm, I'm doing the old, you know, Carlisle, Marnie, you know, priest to each other kind of thing, right? Like, I don't have to be everywhere. Like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty content with that. Um, and I don't even have to be the strongest connection that you have uh, in a church as your pastor. Um, I, that can totally fall on someone else. Um, and I, so I think knowing in that, at that particular church, there was such a strong, like, deacon's ministry um, of people being able to show, not just, I mean, not just the chair, but there were people, um, it was a very relational church to begin with. So even if I didn't know about it, um, other people did. And those people were already doing the work that I would essentially just kind of come behind and really just affirmed. Um, and so that, I think, being in those spaces, not just at that church, but other, other, other churches as well, that has always given me not just like a, a get out of jail free card or it didn't, um, it didn't uh, uh, stifle my uh my desire to like want and do, but I, I felt like a lot of freedom that I didn't have to go and do um, because other people were already kind of doing that. Um, and I know there, there is that there's a, a generation or there is that perspective and this and this individual could have leaned more into that. Um, if the pastor doesn't show up, then no one showed up kind of thing. I think that's that's very real. Um, but uh, the things I was hearing from them um, in, in past situations of like, this church family has been good to me. They have taken care of me. So I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's what's, that's, that's important. Um, because in that, I, I hope that as the, as I hope as I was processing, this person was processing too, to, to kind of see if, uh, even if the, even if the pastor didn't show up in the way that I expected them to, there were others in that church who were looking after me, um, who were there, who had been there before. Um, so I think that I, that kind of helps me um, just in my role of just knowing that, you know, we are, uh, we're kind of in this together <laughs> and, and all that weight, I don't feel all that pressure on me um, at one time. Yeah. So, you know, what you're talking about, I've experienced in many different congregations, which is each person has a different philosophy of, of how they want to be cared for. 
And I joked earlier about, you know, hey, the, the map is or the manuals on the back of the head, got to figure that out. It, it isn't. But, you know, figuring out ways to have that conversation um, in a healthy way can help clarify some things for you. You know, so like I've had people like there is no way I would have known this person died or there's no way I would have known you're in the hospital unless somebody had picked up the phone and called me. But then I find out days later and it looks like, hey, eggs on my face that I didn't know, even though there's no way I would have known. And I feel a sense of guilt. And then when I feel like I'm going into the room, I'm carrying that with me as I'm trying to care for these people. You know, at the same time, there's others that like, hey, every single thing that's going on in their life, they want to call and let you know about. And, you know, it's not that you don't care about each of those things. You just you have a bunch of people to care for and a minister to. And so you know, creating a healthy culture in which we identify when you're available, how you're available, and, and clarifying that I think is a very important part. And it could just be, you know, once or twice a month and um, worship or putting something in your newsletter to say, um, you know, our church wants to serve and care for you in your time of need. Um, here are the outlets that you can communicate if something's going on. And that puts the ball in people's court that they know, hey, if a crisis is going on, I know I need to reach out or have a family member reach out um, so that we know what's going on. But then that then what you're talking about is something different, which is for some people, they want the church to be all up in their business. They're okay with telling you. And there's other people that are they're holding their cards so tightly to their chest that you don't know. And, and trying to figure that out is very important. You know, that's where, you know, a lot of emotional intelligence comes in, but it's hard to know those things in a time of a pandemic. It's hard to know those things, especially if you get somebody who's loosely affiliated with the church that you're trying to help maybe extend that relationship with them. Um, so the situation you dealt with is, is really challenging. Um, you know, so I, I wonder, looking back at that situation, what, what might you have done differently? Um, Oh, let's see. I, you know, I, I've tried to go back. Um, sometimes I just, I, with any situation like that where it, it does become like, it's a good stressor. I mean, it was stressful to, to be in. Um, but I think for that one, I, I processed it and I just kind of tabled it. So me thinking out loud right now, it's probably the first time that I've went back uh, yeah, since uh, you all prompted uh, this, uh, this, uh, uh, this podcast to happen. Um, I would probably, let's see, um, the aftermath a little bit, I would have tried, I don't want to call it a, a three strikes in your out rule, but I would have tried to maybe uh, once or twice more to extend that, that olive branch, you know, extend that right hand of fellowship to be like, hey, um, or, and maybe even just go back in and say, you know, that was really awkward, wasn't it? Um, can, can we just kind of have another go with that? Um, mm -hmm. and, and try that way instead of just, um, Instead of just trying to, um, you know, it's, it's all right, apologies, apologies, let's just move forward, um, maybe even give them a, a chance to, um, if they had anything left on the table to say. Uh, and again, I don't know if that would have ever happened with that individual with a face-to-face uh, -face sit down. That did not seem to be their, their style. Um, but even a you know, phone call, another text, um, um, I think from that incident, I did, um, I did send them I had two more messages afterwards, and one was just, you know, the, I, I did know that the child in question uh, had visited and had been home, and I just, you know, said I'm so glad to hear about that. Um, but again, none of that was being divulged from me. That was coming from, like, through our prayer chain people at that church at that time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think maybe I would have maybe 
taking a few more inches because sometimes you do have to take two to get one. Um, I may have tried that, but um, yeah, that's, uh, that's 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 Monday morning quarterback work there. Um, well, um, well, and let me Monday morning quarterback a minute and mm-hmm. and tell you what what I'm really impressed by. I've already mentioned the fact that you you just sat with it for a minute, but the other piece is once you received that follow up text of an apology, you stepped in with grace. But also, and equally important, and maybe even more important, is that you also um, reestablished some of those boundaries by saying, mm-hmm. "I can only do what I know what to do with." Right? I mean, you were, you were, you were, you stood up for yourself, which a lot of a lot of clergy won't do. We will back down because we're either conflict, uh, you know, uh, uh, resistant or scared of it, um, or we just want we just want this awkwardness to pass. So yeah. let me not make it more awkward by saying, hey, I'm, you know, here, here's what you could have done to help me better in that moment, right? Or so. Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, self advocacy um, mm-hmm. in that. And, mm-hmm. and again, I think that it was probably more of a natural tendency to kind of put that back up. I don't like, I don't know if I was trying to do that uh, intentionally at the time. Um, I think it was definitely more of like, well, uh, it, it was just a rea- more of a reactionary uh, in that sense of like, how am I supposed to know about it? Like, I just haven't heard. Um, and, and maybe even putting it like that. Um, again, the response was, it was good. And it, and it was, um, I, I do think her, or that individual's uh, apology was um, all, all very authentic. Um, and you know, I think and our conversations, our very few conversations since that time um, were, were authentic as well. Um, and it just may, and, and maybe that's some of the, um, the, the ideals of, of on my own and as a pastor, like you do think you're going to have these rich, deep moments with everyone. There's a pressure to have that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that just doesn't happen. Um, and that's okay. Like <laughs> um, you can't be everyone's best friend. Um, it, you're not going to have those moments. I mean, I could tell you a dozen other moments off the top of my head where a crisis moment um, with a person who I didn't think we were going to have a great connection turned into a very like authentic best relationship I have and still have some kind of connection with that person today. Um, this is just one of those stories, but those stories are just as important um, as the, as the good outcomes, you know? Yeah. Well, and you, and you never know what, what that um, exchange is, how that's going to manifest in future crisis in that person's life. Because I mean, you know, I hate to go down that dark road, but there's going to be a next crisis, right? I mean, it's just part of, it's part of humanity. And so you, you have you have continued to move the relationship forward, even if it doesn't feel like what you want it to feel like. You've still moved it forward in a positive way. So yeah, I, if that ever, um, if that individual, I you know, I would love to think if something else would have came across, um, you know, during our time together, it would have been a well. At least I know if I want him to know about something. I've at least got to put this on his radar. Um, I think that would, um, there was definitely more boundaries, uh, well-spoken boundaries um, than there were before. Um, I don't think my pastoral presence uh, is in question for them anymore. Um, so I, I think that's, uh, and, that, and <laughs> that may be a reason that uh, the conversations outdoors were not as much. Maybe that just wasn't the, the preference from them. They wanted something a bit different. Um, but yeah, I think that's just, it just kind of goes back to the, the, you know, the, the ideas that we bring up who pastors are in their community, how they show up, how we want them to show up. Um, and 
at least for that one individual, it just wasn't, um, it just wasn't uh, the way that they, they wanted it to be. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing your story. That's, uh, yeah. you, you know, it, and what I love about this is that you made the comment and we've heard it before is I haven't really unpacked this or thought, gone back and thought about this since. Right. So I think the reflection piece is a really helpful uh, place where we can all uh, continue some, some self-growth in that regard as well. To be clear, yes, seminary trained us to just cram it down, hide it under every nook and cranny and every rug you can find, and then just let it eventually build up and let itself out. Yeah. Hopefully in a business business meeting or from a pulpit. (laughs) Here's my, my final takeaway. You know, we hear this often from our guest, which is, I really haven't processed this since when it happened. And that's not something that I put back on our guest. Um, that's, that's something that I invite us into to think about, which is not that we need to stew and just completely mull over every experience that we had, but clearly when incidents happen that cause our emotional heckles to go up, we've got to, we've got to process that stuff and we've got to do it in a much healthier way because not every minister can look back at a situation for some of our people years ago, for some decades ago and say, you know, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, for some of us, it, it doesn't show we're not good with it until we have an interaction with somebody else or until we find ourselves acting out in a way that is not normal to who we are as, as an individual, who we are as a, as a minister, certainly as a follower of Christ. And so I invite our listeners to find ways to process that again, you know, whether that's processing it through journaling, through a peer learning group, um, not to give a shameless plug through, through coaching or consulting with us, but to be able to just work through the things that you're dealing with, because you don't want it to affect who you are down the road. And that stuff builds, it builds, it really does. And it comes to the point where like, when you find you're ready to quit ministry, there's a reason why you know, because that stuff has just mm-hmm. been building and building and building and in order not to get to that place, process it sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, a practical experience in my own world and I'll keep the story very, very short, but, you know, coming out of youth ministry and, um, and, and experiencing some of those, I don't want to overuse the word trauma, but, but those moments, right. And not processing them well, and then finding myself in an interim at one point, um, uh, and, and a volunteer went after the person who followed me. Uh, and I got a call from the committee chair saying, Hey, we, we need your help with this. And, and my question, and I don't know where the question came from, but it, but it was, is this a youth minister issue or is this a key volunteer issue? Because I can only help you process through one of these because the other one I'm going to be defensive on. <laughs> and, and not a, and not a, right. Right. Cause you're attacking this youth minister and it's because this volunteer was a little bit crazy. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't possibly look at it from any other direction than the, the life that I had lived, but because I had processed a lot of that, I was able to step into it and recognize that, um, he, here's a helpful role that I can play. Um, the only other thing I would plug is uh, get to know Friedman and family systems mm. um, and the, the good work around that, that, you know, every congregation is a family system, but also everybody's bringing their own family systems into it. And the more you can familiarize yourself and see some of the signs and symptoms for people, 
around issues that they have in their life. All of us have issues. I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, you might be able to have a little less of a delicate dance around these things and feel like more you can glide through and avoid the things you need to avoid. Well, and it also helps us to understand who we are. And that goes back to that emotional intelligence you talked about during the, during the interview, uh, how important that is. And when we have to have that self-awareness to realize when is, when is something triggering us and where does that come from? And so it's, 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 it, the, the family systems theory is helpful for how we relate to people, but also how we understand our own journey. All right, folks, that's it. Visit clergyconfessions.com. If you have a story to tell or if you need help with coaching through some particular challenges you're facing as a minister or if you're a congregation that has some conflict that you need help navigating, visit clergyconfessions.com and submit a form to us today. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and whatever Twitter's now called. Don't forget to like and rate and review this episode as well as the podcast. We'll see you next time in the confessional.